Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello, my little sweetness, sweetness. All right, so we're going to talk about... You be a good boy today? I tried to be. Yeah. I really tried to be. I think I think it was pretty decent. I was good. Um, so we're going to talk about little topics of food, uh, like foods that you hated until you realized you were eating it wrong. Foods that I, I'm trying to think, darn it, that is, here, while you're thinking about that, we'll talk about, um, oh, yes, um, let's see, ah, wait a second, now I got it, um, what did my mother prepare that finally I put some sauce on and I really liked it after I'm thinking, I remember, um, well, my mother used to make chicken chow mein. It was okay. But then what I did was I um, mixed spinach with it. Mm. And that really tasted good. But I always liked spinach. The way my mother made spinach, I think we did this on a previous podcast, that my sisters and I could never, ever understand these old movies, like the Shirley Temple movies, where kids hate spinach because we loved spinach. The way my mother prepared it, just she would put margarine, a little salt and pepper, and it was delicious. And so we could never understand this business of kids hating spinach. But I'm trying to think of something that was, I think, liver. Um, you know, most kids don't like liver. But then when I got older, I would eat the liver. I felt, I found that when I ate the liver with sauteed garlic and onions, maybe a little soy sauce on it, then it tasted good. Mm. My mother wasn't one for culinary experimentation. Okay. She really, she really wasn't, but she had some very decent recipes that I later on in life that I embellished on. And those, those were really good. <clears throat> so what about maybe, um, Ever have moments of like indulging in free samples? Uh, <laughs> you're leading now to the next story. Okay. Here's it's a very famous story in our family. I was in the hospital giving birth and recuperating from having one of your younger brothers. And finally, a few weeks later, when I was totally recuperated, it was time to go you know, to a usual seven mile market shopping. So I took you kids with me. And there was a display um, where this woman was passing out free samples of, it might have been like, you know, one of the kosher, you know, foods there that had just uh, come on the market. So as we walked by the display, the lady looked at you guys and said, one. And I looked at you, at you and your sisters and brothers, and I said, um, kids, what was that all about? And they said, oh, when you were in the hospital with the baby, Tati sent us here for lunch. Oh, God. It kind of reminds me of that one story you were saying about um, the, the McDonald's. They gave out for free samples in Israel and Yerushalayim that they're trying to get like people to be interested in it. Yosef told me the story um, that when McDonald's first opened up in Yerushalayim on Ben Yehuda Street, that they wanted to first test to see how well the food would be accepted. So, of course, they made it kosher. And the first week, everything was free because they wanted people to come and sample. You don't offer juice-free food like that. He said in that one week, 
they practically went bankrupt. You couldn't even get in the place that was so crowded. After that, they stopped making it kosher and switched it to hangang. Okay, that, that definitely lowered the traffic. <laughs> <clears throat> if you could have lunch with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, gosh. Oh, I hate that question. Why? What's the wrong with the or alive? Yeah, anybody in the entire world. You can ask them anything, go on interviews with them, ask them how their day was. You know, just get a pick their brain. Why? It's too generic, lunch. or it's lunch. Go lunch with somebody. Yeah, to have a eat, have a lunch with somebody. Your father, because then he'd put the whole bill. But no, 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 no. It's a free. <laughs> it's a free lunch. Whatever. It's it's hypothetically free lunch. Uh, you know, you're both going out to um, where are we actually. Where do you want? Would you want to go out for lunch? I don't want to say because it's it's like we. I don't. I don't want to. Give too much more information. Um, support, no, I don't want to support, like, do anything to endorse any kosher restaurants. Okay, you know so what put, I mean? put, put, it, I put it that's fair. Put in the that. abbreviations. Okay. Bre so, um, the abbreviations. I think. Um, KB, TP. No, I'm not going to put in abbreviations. No, no, no. no here, here, write it, write it down, write it down. No, I'm not. No, I told you I'm not. Okay. I don't think it's, I don't like to make this, you know, this podcast where we it, are actually not, endorsing a particular okay. business. Okay. Whatever you want to do. Because you're getting into some legal stuff. There is no legal stuff. You can say it. It's fine. <laughs> no. The chance of anyone listening to right now Let's is... Let's put it this way. I would prefer... I would I would prefer a Fleishika restaurant. Ah, okay. I prefer That would serve what? I probably prefer Chinese. <laughs> ah, I see. I or see. sushi. Sushi, sushi, okay, like sushi, sushi yeah. or Chinese. I, sushi. I see, I see. And you'd have a lunch I with could, someone. Who who would the lunch lunch be with? I would, I would pick my one. I would pick my old high school boyfriend. Wow. Okay. I would like to. I would love to go out to lunch with him. He's, of course, he's you know he's in his mid seventies now. He's been married a few times. <laughs> but, you know. but I would kind of like to just catch up on old times. Mm. in our lives and see, you know, where we went and what happened. By the way, I learned something very interesting this morning. I was listening to uh, Rabbi Gordon's uh, podcast on um, Rambam. Yeah. And this is interesting. The question came up, what if Chala, what if somebody has given, has taken off Chala and they give it to the Kohen and it has become Tameh? In some respects, so the Kohen can't use it. What does the Kohen do? And Rabbi Gordon says the Kohen can use it as fuel for fire. Put it mm. in, use it. And I was thinking to myself, isn't this interesting? You know, we're right now we're um, the environmentalists are trying so hard now to get us to you know abandon fossil fuels and take on things like uh, vegetable compost, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Like going back to the times of the base of Mikdash, they did. They they did have that kind of fuel. There's plenty of other yeah. means of fuel. I mean, that's you're going to get into other. You don't want to get into murky waters, but uh -huh. basically, what what the problem really is is that you have large companies that have the corporation that can go ahead and keep everything going. But luckily. Society is catching on, and we're 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 shifting the gears. Well, if you uh, want to get a little bit uh, murky, um, I was watching a documentary on children going to school in Africa, and in the beginning of the documentary, it shows as the kids are about to leave 
the, the hut, the mother's picking up what looks like mud and is throwing it against the hut so it sticks. And I was watching this with um, my grandson, with, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandson, who was about eight years old. And um, he found it very interesting about kids in other countries and how what they go through to have to get to school. So I said to him, I bet you thought that was mud that the mother was throwing against the, the hut. He goes, yeah, wasn't I? I go, no. And it was goat manure. Interesting. They would throw, in some country, they, they take manure. of any, It could be a donkey, it can be a goat, sheep, whatever. I don't know they have available cow. And they throw it against a hard wall. And then it gets hard and it falls off. And they use it as fi- to burn fire. They use it to, for, for heating, for heating fuel. Interesting. And the reason I knew that was because I was reading a novel by Dostoevsky where this man is in love with this girl and thinking about asking her to marry him. And when somebody else hears that he's dating her and wants to marry, he goes, oh, yeah, she's very good at. And there was a certain term that they used in uh, in Russian for that type of practice where you take animal manure and throw it against a wall and then it gets hard. He says, he says, that girl's really known for, you know, really being able to pitch this really good. She's really good at this uh, sport, whatever it is. And it totally turned the guy off so that he wound up not just, you know, not going out with her, not you know, just totally breaking off the relationship. That's a shame. Um, what's your favorite urban legend? Urban legend? Yeah. Like, was there any urban legends when you were in school or when you were a kid? We, well, we read, we read Paul Bunyan. Okay. You know, in my day, there was... Um, no, urban yeah. legend means more of like, like you know, there's don't go to that street or don't go to that forest because the such and such is going to get you or something like that. Or oh, you mean you know, like ghost stories, ghosts, ghosts, boogeyman, things like that. Boogeyman stories, yeah. Boogeyman stories. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, um, when I I forgot how old I was. I was little. Um, there was a movie out called um, Thirteen Ghosts. Mm-hmm. And when you entered the theater, they gave you these, it was called the ghost viewer. And you put it on, you watch the movie and you could see the ghosts. So my father came to the movie theater to pick us up. And um, in those days, movie theaters would actually let parents come in while the movie was like towards the end. So that they could actually be there in the theater to pick their kids up, to take them home. Mm-hmm. So um, afterwards, so my um so I was uh, quite excited to my father, the ghost viewer and everything. So my father had a chance to see the movie towards the end. And so my mother asked him how they did the special effects with the ghost. And my father said, ah, he says, without the ghost viewer, if you look very carefully, you can see where um, the image of the ghost is stenciled on the film very, very lightly in pink. Like, And um, the ghost viewer helps you to be able to see it more clearly. So at the end of the movie, there was this man, a narrator, and the narrator talks about um, the ghost viewer at the end, and the movie's all over. He goes, ah, he goes, okay, boys and girls, now this ghost viewer, he says, what you, what should you do with it? He says, if you take it home and you go to a room all by yourself at night, close the door and there's no lights, put the ghost viewer on if you dare. <laughs> so the next so next day in school, my one of my friends would go who had seen the movie says to me, I did 
that and nothing happened. I said, oh, come on. Are you sure nothing happened? She goes, yes, I did. I did that. And nothing happened. Well, there was like a, a thing when we were, we were kids that if you look into the mirror and you say like Dibbuk or Shindalit or whatnot, like a Shindalit would pop up like a like a uh-huh. shade or something like, something like that. Did you ever do that? Yeah, of course it does. Like, you know, <laughs> but was there anything like that, I guess, when you were You mean kid? before the movie Candyman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was – who wrote Candy, Candyman? Was that Stephen King? I have or no somebody idea. Else? And maybe the person who wrote it was Jewish and and, and took the idea of the movie from that uh, Baba Misa. No, it's a very famous Baba Misa because it's like like I think like a uh, Bloody Mary. There's one that's called Bloody Mary where you look into the mirror mm-hmm. and you say Bloody Mary three times. <laughs> and then I would rather drink a Bloody Mary, but go ahead. Yeah, no. So was there anything like that when you were growing up? When you were a kid, like you would like do besides that uh, ghost viewer? I'm trying to think anything. Oh, the Diamond Gang. Um, anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you went to school, Liberty School 64 and had Miss Schimmel as a secretary during about 19, 1960, I think. Ni- had to be 1960. Yeah, I was in third grade, so it had to be 1960. You probably remember what happened with that rumor about the Diamond Gang. There was a rumor that started that got the whole school, especially the little kids upset that there was this horrible, like murderous gang called the diamond gang. And they were grabbing kids and they were beating them up and taking the money. And then they would take out knives and they would carve a, a figure of a diamond on your forehead. Well, the kids were so scared. I mean, we had kids in class that were crying. They were scared to walk home and everything. Finally, Miss Schimmel, the principal, had to get on the intercom and calm the whole school down and said, listen, there's no truth to the rumor about this diamond gang. It's okay. It's it's totally fictitious. Don't worry about it. You can all walk home in safety. Don't worry. See, that's honestly, that's where it's like, you know, every Halloween, there's going to be some like, not just urban legend, some news scare of saying like, oh no, you're going to have razors in your apples that you're going to be getting for Halloween or razors in your snicker bar. It Well, I- actually, when I was a kid, you had to be careful. There were some crazy demented people who actually did that. Was that true or was yes. it just the rumors? No, it was true. They, had, they showed um, the next day after Halloween in the newspaper, they showed parents and children showing actual like candy bars or apples that they had, the parents didn't want their kids to like eat the apples. Let's bring it home. Let's check through all your candy first. Cause you had some really demented people that not only were they putting razors and little slivers of glass into candy and candies and apples, but they were also, this is really sick. They were actually putting like met like blood pressure tablets and all sorts of like amphetamines or whatever. And, putting them into like little pastries and candy bars and then resealing I, them. It I was, don't know. It was very I scary. S- no, it actually happened. It was really it, scary. And so it got to the point where parents told their kids, please don't eat anything till you bring it home and let me go through what you just brought home. Okay. All right. So, so you're going to Google that. No, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Um, so when you were a kid then, when you were in class, when you were bored, what did you do? I did a, well when I was little. I did my big problem, and still is, 
daydreaming. Oh yeah. Uh huh. It's there are times that was that was always a problem by me daydreaming, and uh, um, in fact, one of the teachers um, uh, wrote a note home to my parents about um, the amount of daydreaming I was doing in class and how this was affecting me. Um, maybe that's why I um. <laughs> I keep tell I keep telling myself maybe what I should do is I should sit down and write stories or write a book because usually if people daydream if they daydream yeah. because they can uh, nothing yeah, nothing's stopping you yeah. you have Microsoft Word you have a computer you just type it up <laughs> yeah that'd be a good idea yeah that'd be your, ne your next uh, mm -hmm. next project <laughs> you'll have some books but that, you know day daydreaming and um, was always a problem by me if if I was on um, kind of bored in class. I eventually though developed a technique as I got older, where when I caught myself daydreaming, I would simply, in my mind, repeat every word I heard the teacher say. Like I would stop, and I would listen to, and I would listen to the teacher and repeat every word in my mind, and that got me back on track. See, what would be your favorite daydream? That's that's what I'm curious about. Favorite daydream. Now I told you this is a family podcast. I'm talking about oh god, I'm talking <laughs> about like being a kid and daydreaming as a kid when you're in school. Do you remember your favorite daydreams? You like you're flying like Superman or you beat up a bully or something like that. Yeah, beating up bullies were my favorite. Yeah, that was my favorite daydream. Yeah. Or yeah, beating up bullies. Um, later on, uh, when I was in fourth and fifth grade, I used to like to daydream about being president of the United States. What would you do as president of the United States? Not now, but like as a kid. <laughs> as a kid, president of the United States. Oh, I would, I would, um, uh, I would, I would uh, work for world peace. World peace. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. World, world peace. peace. Yes, and I would, I would go to, and that time Khrushchev was the premier of Russia. Mm-hmm. And I would have meetings with Khrushchev where I would kind of win him over to want to be friends with the United States. But it's interesting. I was uh, reminiscing about that the other day, that when um, how when Khrushchev was uh, the premier of Russia, I mean, that was during the uh, Cold War. Um, and um, what got me reminiscing about it was I was watching a biography of Shirley Temple, mm -hmm. and during the late 1950s, she actually received an appointment as an ambassador to a world conference where um, Khrushchev was present. Khrushchev, at that time, she was going by her married name, uh, Shirley Black. Khrushchev didn't recognize her, and at first, since she was the representative of the United States, uh, kind of ignored her and was not at all friendly towards her, until his wife came over to him and said to him, don't you know who this is? And he said, no, who is? And she says, remember Shirley Temple? And he went, oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, like, he totally changed. Oh, wow. He, like, he did a one total 100, what, a 90% switch and just, you know, started talking to her and was so happy to meet her. Yeah, she was a chief protocol of the United States. Mm -hmm. She was ambassador to Ghana, I think Czechoslovakia. Mm -hmm. But I remember, um, if you want to look this up, Khrushchev made quite a scene at the United Nations when he made this rip-roaring speech against the United States and he said, we will bury you. And he actually took off his shoe and started slamming his shoe against the desk. Oh, wow. 
Jeez, mm-hmm. I could probably find that. But um, I remember, you know, talking to people who were from Russia or were very familiar with Russian history, and they all agreed the same thing. Okay, yeah, Khrushchev is no, uh, how do you say they said Khrushchev is no, living in Russia in the 1950s, 60s was no picnic, but they said, boy, under Khrushchev, it was a heck of a lot better than under Stalin. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's our time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you had a wonderful day. All right, have a good job. Thank you, and everybody eat well this weekend. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother episode. Please like and subscribe our Facebook group at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother podcast, and check out our YouTube channel, Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I know you'd like it, and my mother would appreciate it too.